That's good. Do y'all know that you have probably the best pastors in existence right yes. now? And I know that because they're my pastors too. Y'all know pastors have pastors. Any pastor worth his salt has pastors. All right. We all need someone to lean on, to look up to, to talk about all the garbage that you put us through. We need someone to talk to and to be like, I can't believe what, what, what so-and-so did in my church this week. Um, if you don't know who I am, I'm pastor Christian. Pastor Matt led me to the Lord when I was 16 years old in a little elementary school, um, over in, was that in Auburn or was that in Kent? It was in Auburn. Yeah, it was in Kent. Yeah, it was in Kent. Um, so I was pre warehouse church. So I've been through elementary church. I've been through sideways church, warehouse church. Um, and, uh, pastor Matt's been my pastor through it all. Um, I don't want to spend too long with, with introductions. I just want to say this y'all. If this is the only church you've ever been to you're church spoiled. And this, I had this problem. Okay. I had this problem where Faith of Victory was the only church that I went to, and I mistakenly believed that every church must be at least this awesome. Every church must be at least this Bible-minded, this biblical, this full of love and community and connection. It is not true. If Pastor Matt and Pastor Crystal just start preaching heresy and you got to leave somewhere, that's the only reason you should leave, by the way, is if they start preaching heresy. I don't care if they offend you, if they step on your shoes, if they make fun of your grandma, don't leave. But if they start preaching heresy and you got to leave, man, you can go, you can go to Renton. You can go to Susun, California. You can go to Sioux City, Iowa, or you can go to Cedar Rapids. But there's not a lot of other places where there's churches like this, man. And that's, it's true. And I know it because I've got people who leave my church and they move and they look and they look and they look and they're just like, man, we don't have what you have. And I'm like, we only have what we have because of what y'all have. And coming here, um, man, it's not changed since elementary school. It just has, I mean, there's one less overhead projector than we had back then. Um, but dude, the family, the spirit, the atmosphere, God doesn't change and neither should his presence or his church. Amen. Amen. Dude, I'm proud to be a part of faith and victory. Amen. Would y'all turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22, Luke 22, 39 through 46, Luke 22, 39 through 46. And Jesus came out and went as was his custom to the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him. And when he came to that place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed saying, father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him and being in agony. Jesus prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So it's been a few weeks since Easter. And, and at, at CLC, my church, Christian Life Church, we do just like Faith and Victory does. I pretty much just copy Matt unless what he does fails. And then I'm like, why did it fail? And I don't do that. But that's rare. Okay, that's rare. And so he started preaching through scripture. I'm like, Pastor Matt's going to preach through scripture? I'm going to preach through scripture. He starts presenting the gospel every week. I'm going to present the gospel every week. 
And so we preach through scripture and we, uh, we've been in the book of Luke for about three years now. And this just happens to kind of be where we are. And I, I know that it's, it's really close to that Easter message. It's so, what's it been like four weeks since Easter? And in Easter, we celebrate the greatest day in history, that Christ is risen. Amen. Amen. But before the resurrection, there was a crucifixion. And before the crucifixion, there was a trial. And before the trial, there was an arrest. And before the arrest, there was a betrayal. And before that betrayal was this prayer. This is, it's not the last prayer per se that Jesus gave, but it certainly was this last kind of time where Jesus had an intimate prayer session where he and the father were communing together before everything got rocked and changed. And so really, I think the, the, the kind of the passion time, and by the way, that word passion, that's a Christian word, and it's taken from, it's taken from the Latin word that means to suffer. It means, it literally means agony. Literally means agony. And the reason it became a word to mean love, I love you passionately, is because it means Jesus loved us so much that he chose to be in agony for us. And so this agony is now beginning to start. He's been, uh, he's already revealed Judas as the betrayer. He's just had his last supper and now he's gone out to the garden to pray. And so as I, as I read these verses, uh, like Pastor Matt does, I, I, I seek the Holy Spirit and I say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to preach from this section of scripture? How are we going to look more like you, Jesus, from this section of scripture? And what the, what the Holy Spirit really showed to me this time around, and I'm sure if I preached through Luke, he'd show me something different, is he said, you can look at this prayer of Jesus. And I want, I want you, Pastor Christian, in your church, and now through that faith and victory, I want you to look at this prayer and I want you to learn how to pray like Jesus, how to pray like Jesus. We want to look more like Jesus by praying like Jesus. Now, originally this message had four parts. It was a four part sermon. I'm not going to preach them all tonight to pray like Jesus. You need to have a prayer custom to pray like Jesus. Pray that you may not enter into temptation to pray like Jesus, pray the father's will and to pray like Jesus, pray with passion. So just quickly to go over that, I wish I could preach all four of them because literally it changed the culture of our church when we went through this. And I've heard testimony after testimony after testimony. But but just to kind of go through them, to pray like Jesus, we need to pray with a passion. Jesus prayed so passionately that he was bleeding in his sweat. It's a real medical condition. You can be so stressed that the veins inside of your head will burst into your sweat glands. He prayed that passionately. And the challenge that I gave to my church, and I believe it was through the Holy Spirit, is this. Could your prayer life be described as passionate? If you examined your own prayer life, would you describe it as passionate? Is it a war cry kind of prayer life or a cry baby kind of prayer life? To pray like Jesus, we need to pray the Father's will. Jesus prayed, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. And now I'm a little bit of a charismatic, and I pray big, miraculous, faith-filled prayers. And sometimes charismatics use this phrase, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. They use it as a cop-out. Lord, move this mountain. But if you don't want to, I understand. I don't want you to look bad, God. How many of y'all know that God doesn't need our help not looking bad? 
He doesn't need our help. When Jesus prayed this, it wasn't a cop-out prayer. Jesus knew the Father's will. When he said, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done, he was submitting to the Father's will. It wasn't a cop-out. Jesus wasn't hoping that maybe, just maybe, something will change. Jesus already knew what was going to happen. And he said, here's my will, because I'm a human being. He was fully God and fully human. And God designed humans to not want to die. That's why we survived this long. And so his fully human nature didn't want to die, but him being God and him being full of faith said, nevertheless, not the will of my flesh, but your will, Father. It was a submissive prayer. And the takeaway from that message is this. You need to pray the Father's will. And how can you pray the Father's will if you don't know the Father's will? And some people be like, but Pastor Christian, his ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher. And who can discern his will? And I I sort of agree with that. But the good news is God wrote down things for us. I can't discern God's will, but God can discern God's will and tell me. He could tell me and he put it in 66 books. You want to be a perfect Christian? This is how you do it. You open your Bible, you read it, and you do what it says. So we need to pray the will of the Father. And to pray the will of the Father, we need to know the will of the Father. To pray like Jesus, we need to pray that we would not enter into temptation. When's the last time you started a day by earnestly praying, Father, lead me not into temptation. And Lord, if temptation should come today, would you give me the strength to resist it? And you know, I spent a lot of time talking about leaders of the faith who fell into horrible sin. And I just wondered, did they wake up that morning and say, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Lord, give me strength not to fall into temptation. Jesus not only said it twice to his disciples, but when his disciples asked, how should we pray? That was part of his prayer. And yet I feel like in Western Christianity, we just given up on that part because we feel like we good. We don't need that. But all of it comes after step one. That's what I want to talk about tonight. To pray like Jesus, we need to have a prayer custom. And Holy Spirit, I do. I ask that you would pray or that you would speak through me, Holy Spirit. That it wouldn't be my words, but your words. And moreover, I I earnestly ask, would you be our ears tonight? That each and every individual person in this room, each and every believer in this room, that you would have us hear what we need to hear to leave this place tonight looking more like you than when we came in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke 22, 39. Here's what was highlighted. The first thing that was highlighted as I read this. And Jesus came out and went as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him as was his custom. Would you just grapple with this just for a moment? Would you just understand? I don't believe the Holy Spirit wastes ink. He put that in there for a reason. And I think when I, the, the, every time I've read this story, I, 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 I shallowly assumed, because my prayer life has been so shallow at times, I assumed that Jesus knew that he was about to be betrayed because he just said, Judas is going to betray me, and Judas runs out. And I assumed Jesus, Jesus knew what was about to go down, and he was like, yo, it's about to go down. We better get out and go pray because things are about to get hard. But that's not what happened. Yeah. Jesus did what Jesus always did. He prayed as was his custom. It wasn't in response. It was what he did. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. So my first question, church, is do you have a prayer custom? 
Do you have a prayer custom? Or do you only pray when you feel like you need to? Or do you only pray when you feel like the occasion calls for it? Or do you only pray when the mood strikes you to pray? Do you have a prayer custom? I've seen two kinds of people in the church. I've been a Christian since I was 16 years old. I've served in Faith and Victory Church. I've served in a Southern Baptist Church. I've served in a Pentecostal Church. I've served overseas in in Assemblies of God Church in Singapore. Um, I've seen it all. Regardless of culture or theology or doctrine, there's two kinds of Christians that, that, that really I just see flop and flop and flop like floundering fishes. And it's, it's the kind of Christians who just see the church as a revolving door. I don't know if y'all have ever noticed this. Because, I, I mean, I'm looking here and, and everybody who's ever been to Faith and Victory is here tonight, right? No, right? It's a revolving door. And there's two kinds of people that see the church as the revolving door. And they're both situational kinds of people. The first is the kind of person who only comes to God when things are good. You know what? Life is blessed. I'm going to come and I'm going to worship God and I'm going to praise him and it's going to be good. And I'm going to go find this church and it's going to be awesome. And, and, and the pastor's funny and I like the stuff and blah, blah, blah. And then disaster strikes and you never see him again. But there's the opposite kind of person who only comes when things are bad. And I just need God to deliver me and I need this breakthrough. And ah, and all of a sudden they're a passionate prayer warrior and they're reading their Bibles. And then things get good and they're gone. Both, You know the beauty of Facebook. This, it wasn't this way when I was 16. And the beauty of Facebook is as a pastor you can spy on people. And <laughs> Pastor Matt doesn't do this, okay. But man, you just see these people who treat the church as a revolving door. And you just see their life just... Just crash to the ground. It just plummets time and time and time again. Man, I don't think I've seen one revolving door Christian where I go and I look at their life and I'm like, wow, look, their life is really prospering and their marriage is strong and their children love Jesus and they found a great church. It just, it doesn't seem to happen. It's because they are situational in their faith. They are situational in their prayer life. They don't have customs that get them through the times that they need to get through, whether the good time or the bad time. They don't have a custom to ground them. It's like people who diet situationally. You know what happens when you diet situationally? You diet your whole life and you still look like this. That's what happens when you diet situationally. It's awful. Man, I've been it. I've done it. And I'm going to, as long as today's a good day, I'll diet. As long as there's not enough stress, then I'll diet. If I'm not on vacation, then I'll diet. Right? If you're a situational healthy eater, it doesn't work. I've seen, this is a millennial thing. I've seen people treat their jobs situationally. Well, when I need money, then I'll go get a job. And, you know, I'll be on unemployment for a while. And when that runs out, then, then then I'll just sit until they threaten to evict me. And once I get kicked out, then maybe I'll get on a, that I'll get a job. I've never seen someone prosperous who treats their employment situationally. Who's just like, yeah, I'm not going into work today. I just don't feel like it. That's a quick way to get fired. Anything we do with that kind of situational attitude seems to crumble. And how much more true is it of our prayer life? Where we, if we don't have a prayer custom, if we don't have a faith custom, 
Man, I just see it. And I have seen people, the flip side, and I've seen this in our church too. I've seen people who come in and they've got that revolving door mentality, but the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of them and they get a custom in their life. Reading their Bible, praying, fellowship, and coming to church, and I see their life turn around. We need a prayer custom, church. If you don't want to be a revolving door Christian, then you need customs. And, and listen, I'm just going to speak directly to you. If this is your fourth, fifth, sixth church, maybe you've been church hurt before. Maybe your life has been up and down and maybe you've been through a couple marriages. I don't know your life. I don't know your situation. But I speak directly to you. If you look at your life and you know, I could see this pattern of highs and lows and I'm in with Jesus and I'm out. And then I seem to get offended at this person or that person. I'm speaking to you directly. Stop that now by putting customs in your life. That's how you're going to fix it. For example, and I'm just going to speak about myself, not because I want to boast, but because I know me better than I know most other people. And I mean, I could tell you stories about Matt, but he tells stories about himself enough as it is. So I'm going to tell a story about me. It is my custom that no matter what on Sunday morning, I'm in a church. No matter what. It snows 15 inches. I don't care. I walk to church. I will find a way. If I'm on vacation, doesn't matter. I'm going to live stream or I'm going to find a church. Who goes on vacation from Jesus? What are you doing? Where's your faith at? Christmas or Easter falls on church on a Sunday. I'm going to be at church. But my family, man, my family's here. This is where my family is. And I don't know about faith and victory, but we actually accept visitors even on Easter and Christmas. So if my family wants to come and be with me, they can actually come to church. It's my custom. Dude. And this is kind of a hard story to tell in faith and victory, but it's in my notes, so I'll say it. I don't know how many of y'all remember Eddie Kraskowski, the little young Russian man who died. He died uh, Saturday evening at like uh, at like 11 p.m. And I was in my car in the hospital parking lot crying, crying out to the Lord until 3 a.m. And I was at church on Sunday morning worshiping God because it was my custom. I'm not, there's nothing that's going to change that. And there's no place I needed to be more than that. But I'll tell you what, I didn't want to go. I wanted to go home and cry. But I was like, I haven't missed church in four years. I'm not going to miss it now. It's my custom. You need customs in your life. Customs that don't change. Customs that don't respond to the situation. And for Jesus, one of those customs was prayer. And he went out to the garden as was his custom. If we want to be like Jesus, we need prayer customs. Hebrews 13 verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus doesn't change. When it came time for Jesus to be betrayed and tortured and crucified, Jesus didn't change. It wasn't like then he turned up his prayer life to 11. He didn't change. 
Jesus didn't go up to the Mount of Olives in response of the coming betrayal. Jesus didn't change. I read my Bible every morning. Every morning. Some mornings I don't want to, and sometimes I got to put the Bible on and stream it to my car. And I just got to get it somehow. And I have a private prayer time with Jesus every morning. Regardless of how I feel or what's going on, I read my Bible and I pray every morning. And, and, And I'm human. I got flesh. There's times where I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I'm too whatever. But I've got a custom. Every once in a while, every once in a while, I miss reading my Bible and I always regret it. Never once have I read my Bible and regretted it. Not one time have I woken up in the morning, sat and read my Bible and been like, man, I wish I wouldn't have wasted my time this morning. I wish I would have just got right into the work that I need to do. It's never once happened. I pray with my wife every single night. We have since we started dating 11 years ago. Every night for 11 years, without fail, we've prayed. Now, mind you, when we were dating, it was over the phone. We weren't together at night. Okay, just side note. Okay. All right. Young people, don't even look at women until you're married. All right. Every night for 11 years without fail, we've prayed. Literally, we've never missed a day. And it's gotten to the point where I don't want to mess it up. And here's the thing. I honor prayer. And, and I honor Jesus more than I honor my wife. I strive to love my wife as Christ loved the church. But Amanda seems to annoy me more than Jesus does. Um, <laughs> and so there's, but listen, there's nights where I'm mad at Amanda. And she's mad at me. But I'm not going to go to my wife and pray with her in anger. And so we just lay angry back to back in bed until one of us breaks and says, honey, I'm sorry. Can we just forgive each other and pray? Because we have a custom and that custom doesn't break because we're frustrated. And because of that, because of that prayer custom specifically is why we've never gone to bed angry because we have a prayer custom. Listen, if you are having struggles in your marriage, even if you're not having struggles in your marriage, make it a custom. Pray with your wife or your husband every single day without fail. And if you're like, my wife hates me and doesn't want to pray with me, fine. Then every day without fail, you're going to spend 15 minutes praying for your wife. And you better be praying passionately. And you better be praying to avoid temptation. And you better be praying the Father's will. Here's the Father's will for your marriage. That your marriage would be strong and beautiful and everlasting. Because of the example of Christ in his church. So not, I don't care who. If, if you're in a marriage right now and you're at the end of your ropes and you've already filled out the divorce paper, call up your lawyer, lawyer and cancel it. Like just be done with that nonsense. And if you've already had a divorce, there is grace and, and forgiveness. I'm not talking to you. No one needs to feel bad. But listen, you start having prayer customs in your life. And I'm telling you, they are like barricades yeah. that stop things from affecting you. And I've seen it in my in my marriage. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it in my in my walk with Christ. Have a prayer custom. Here's another here's another uh, uh, prayer custom I've created created in my life. I set aside 15 minutes a week to do nothing but pray in the Spirit. The Bible of Jude says, build yourself up by praying in the spirit. And if you don't have a gift, uh, uh, if you don't have a prayer language, the Bible says, ask and you'll receive. 
Man, I spend 15 minutes and sometimes I even feel stupid doing it, but I'm going to do it. Again, I've never regretted it. I've got another custom that I've just put in. I'd really encourage this for some of y'all, especially those in the ministry. Twice a year, I take a day of silence and solitude. Well, I just go out for 24 hours and I stay in a bed and breakfast. I don't talk to no one but Jesus. Just me and him. Have some customs in your life. I'm not saying you got to do that, but get something in your life. Get something where you're like, man, this is my custom. Regardless of what's going on, this is my custom. And listen, when you're, when you've got a custom of singing hymns and encouraging one another with the word of God and with prophecies in the language, then when you're chained up because a certain governor, and I'm not sure who would do this, um, because he decides that he's going to close the churches and you're just like, we're not doing that anymore. And you're chained up because you've had that custom. It's not going to be difficult for you to know what to do in that very difficult situation. You just... Paul wasn't like, oh man, I'm chained up. I better think of some hymns that I haven't sung in 15 years. He was just like, man, we're going to sing like we've always sung. Yes. Man, that seems awful rigid, pastor. Really seems like you're limiting the Holy Spirit. Limiting the Holy Spirit. Let me show you what the Holy Spirit says about prayer. First Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. Ephesians 6, 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. That's what the Holy Spirit said. People be like, you're limiting the Holy Spirit by writing your sermon notes down. And the Holy Spirit wrote 66 books worth of words down. He's capable. He's capable of, of, of having customs. God doesn't change. Pray without ceasing. Be constant in prayer. Pray at all times. Are those things just going to happen in your life? Are you just going to wake up and be like, wow, I've been praying without ceasing for the past five years. Man, no. It takes discipline. Paul talks about it like a physical workout. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that all in a race or that, that in a race, all the runners run? But there's only one who wins. So run the race that you may obtain the prize. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. I know what it was like. I did MMA and it was like, man, I got to think about what I'm, how I'm sleeping, how I'm eating, what I'm doing in my life, how I present myself. It's not just the three hours of working out. It's everything. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we're doing it to receive an imperishable crown. So how much more is it important that we exercise discipline in all things? So I don't run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating the air. In other words, I don't just pray when I feel like it. I don't just go to war when it's convenient. I don't run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control. Least after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. You ever met, this is a true story. I've met people like this. Maybe you've met, you ever met people who think that they can just say that they're healthy and that makes them healthy? Dude, tell me about your exercise plan. (laughs) Exercise. I, I don't exercise. I'm just healthy. Oh, tell, how many calories do you eat your day? Counting calories, that's not for healthy people. I just healthy. Oh, well, how much protein do you try to get? 
I don't think about all of that. I'm just healthy. And you're like, I mean, you're saying this, but we walked up three steps and you out of breath, bro. Like, <laughs> like what? You're talking about you just healthy. Man, I've met Christians like that. Yes. Tell me about, dude, what church do you go to? I, I don't go to church. You know, we, we are the church. I, I bring the church with me everywhere I go. Okay. Yeah, I just, that's just vain religion, not me. I'm holy. Because, I mean, I'm just saying, I watched you cuss out your kid like five minutes ago. But you think that just because you say it? I, whenever someone does that, whenever someone, because I invite lots of people to church. And whenever they're like, I am the church. I don't need to go to a building. I'm just like, okay, hey, just out of curiosity, when's the last time you got together with a bunch of like-minded believers and just spent 30 minutes singing songs to Jesus to tell them how much you loved him? Well, you see what happened was, I'm like, come on, you're, you're not, you, first of all, you're not the church. No Bible says you are the church. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's talking about sexual purity. Okay. Um, but Jesus went to the temple every single, every single Saturday. That's where his parents went and found him. Paul preached in the synagogue, in the synagogue, in the synagogue. Don't tell me the church isn't a building. Yes, we are the church as a body of believers. It's also a building. It's also an organization. Sometimes in English, we have, okay, I'm getting pet peeve. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just saying sometimes words have multiple meanings. It's okay. Paul says, so it is with our faith. We have to daily discipline ourselves. We need prayer customs. No matter what happens, if we have prayer customs, we know this, we'll be praying. No matter what happens, if we have prayer customs, and, and I, I really just want to be practical. I don't want to be hyper-spiritual, y'all. Dude, go home and write down, I'm going to pray every day at this time. And part of my prayer is going to be, lead me not into temptation. And part of my prayer is going to be, Father, let your will be done on earth. And part of my prayer is I'm going to passionately pray for the loved ones in my life who don't know Jesus because I don't want them to go to hell. And if I had time to preach that sermon, I wish I could because the enemy loves it when we are apathetic with our, with our loved ones and we lie to ourselves and we're like, well, they said a prayer when they were five. And so, you know, I know they'll come back to the Lord one day and Satan's just sitting there laughing like, no, man, I prayed my heart out till my little girl came to Jesus because I don't want her to go to hell. Have a prayer custom. We're going to be praying for her for a long time. <laughs> Seriously, go home, talk to your wife, talk to your husband. How can we instill a prayer custom in our life so that every single day, a day doesn't go by where we're not praying together to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Luke twenty two thirty nine, And he came out and went as was his custom. To the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him. Do you have a prayer custom or is your prayer life a la carte? It's time to start building those customs. 
Some of y'all need to build a prayer closet in your house because you're too distractible. Yeah. I get it. I, I notice that my prayer life plummets the longer I sleep in yes. because I wake up and the, the later I wake up, the kids are up, the day's started. Yep. Some of y'all need to wake up early. Yeah. Man, if you got a new job that paid $100,000 more and they're like, yeah, but you got to wake up at 5 a.m. You'd be like, no problem. You'd be pumped. You'd be hyped. But we're talking about an eternity. Yeah. With the king of kings and lord of lords and streets of gold so pure you could see through them. And you can't wake up 30 minutes early. This is what I used to tell my wife when we struggled to get up. Man, 15 minutes of sleep won't change your life. But 15 minutes of God's word just might. Like, just decide. This is who I am. I am somebody who prays every single day. And don't ever change. And, And just watch. As the enemy just runs into that wall. Just smashes his head into it. I'm going to pray for y'all. And then we're going to close this out. Father, I... uh, Lord, I thank you so much for faith and victory. And I know that this is a passionate... uh, A a church that passionately prays. And Father, I'm just... I'm grateful for that song, Hallowed Be Your Name, that we sang. Because it it so perfectly encapsulates what I'm talking about. Lord, I really, truly pray that that our prayer life would be like the ocean, just ever-encompassing. Lord, I pray that not a single person in this room would ever leave leave faith in victory or CLC, but not a single person in this room would ever leave faith in victory for any other reason than you called them to go do a work somewhere else, to go plant a church, to go lead people to Christ. Father, I pray that people take this seriously and they go home and they begin to discipline themselves like an athlete disciplining themselves to run a race. Father, I pray for customs that are so strong that they're stronger than the offense that a brother can give, that a sister can give, that even a pastor can give. I know I've hurt people. I know it's it, it, it's easy as a, in a position of authority to hurt people. And Lord, I'm, I'm sure that, that the pastors of this church have done things, whether intentionally or unintentionally, that can hurt people. And sometimes it's not even the pastor's fault. Sometimes people just get hurt. And so, Lord, I pray that there would be prayer customs in every single person's life that are stronger than those easy offenses. those Those cheap shots that the enemy tries to throw. Father, I pray for prayer customs that that supersede government officials and regulations and rules. I pray for prayer customs that, that supersede political preferences. I pray for prayer customs that, that are that are stronger and bigger and greater than any circumstance that could ever happen in people's lives. Prayer customs so that when people lose their job, lose their family, lose their money, lose their livelihood, that they could say, I know that the story I'm telling is that my God didn't fail. Father, let us pray like you. Pray passionately for the lost, especially those close to us. To pray your will be done and your kingdom come. Father, to wake up and to say, Lord, I don't know what life's going to bring me today, but I ask that you wouldn't lead me into temptation. And should temptation come, 
Father, I don't trust myself enough to fight it. So I ask that you would strengthen me and walk with me and that you would show me the way out and that you would help me resist because whatever happens today, I don't want to hurt you. Father, help us to have prayer customs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.